Well, hello, church. It is great to be with you. My name is Ethan Magnus, one of the pastors here, and so glad as we continue our series, Hope for Everyone. Uh, before we jump into that, I got a few uh, businessy things that I want to make sure everybody knows about. Uh, some are super, super awesome, some are super, super boring, and then back to super, super awesome. Uh, we'll start with awesome, though. Uh, for about 14 months, we have been looking for another member of our worship staff team uh, to kind of finish out that team. We've been looking a long time, so we wanted to find the right person, and we are so confident uh, that we have uh, Nathan Hall and his wife, Megan, and their little son, Mason, are going to be joining us probably sometime in November. Uh, some of you already know uh, Nathan. He uh, spent uh, some time growing up in this neck of the woods. He's been most recently ministering up in Maryland. Um, I know Megan because she was once upon a time in my youth group, so that is super fun. Uh, they are awesome, though. You're going to love Nathan and Megan. Uh, they're moving in October, so, you know, doing all that selling and buying and all that stressful stuff, so be praying for them. And like I say, uh, he should show up here. You should see him uh, kicking around the place sometime in early November. We're super excited about that. Uh, on the boring front, um, as part of our... Um, annual uh, church vote about the annual budget. We also are this year, uh, the elders are proposing a few uh, changes to the bylaws. Again, I know for about 10% of us that is super, super exciting, and for about 90% of us that is super, super boring. Um, so for those of you for whom that's super, super exciting, don't worry. We're going to have all kinds of evening meetings and visits to Sunday school classes so that you can ask all the questions you've got. Uh, this will be a super transparent process the details on those changes and that, uh, and that process will roll out next week. I just want to tell you about it this week so you kind of know uh, what's coming. Uh, for those of you that are already wondering, you know, what is it about? Um, you know, it's nothing, you know, it's not like anything doctrinal or exciting like that. It's all kind of uh, internal businessy stuff. But just to give you an idea, uh, some of the changes are internal to the function of the elder board uh, to give us a little more flexibility in leadership development and leader transition. Uh, some of the changes are related to church voting, when we vote, how we vote, what we vote about, those kinds of things. Uh, and some of the changes are designed just to give us a little more flexibility, like one of our current rules right now is our the vote for elders has to happen on Mother's Day every single year, and we think we can probably find a better day of the year to do a congregational meeting on the Mother's Day when everybody wants to get off to dinner. So I've got a few tweaks like that as well. So uh, like I say, if you're the kind of person who really likes lots and lots of information about things like this, don't worry. We'll give you plenty of space to do that. You're welcome to read out, reach out to any of the elders or to myself with any questions, but we'll start rolling that information out starting next week. All right, off the boring stuff, back to super awesome stuff. Uh, you heard me about three weeks ago talk about the kickoff to Kid Venture. Kid Venture is this brand new strategy for us for elementary age uh, ministry on Wednesday nights. And you heard me tell you that um, we uh, last year we had about 21 kids participating. And this year we launched with 75 participants. Uh, I'm so thrilled to say we're a month in and that 75 number is the smallest week we've had yet. It has grown from there. It's super exciting. Um, they have... Um 
They have already completed the camping adventure. They sent me this awesome picture that I forgot to grab, but I'm going to show it to you next week of these three adorable little kids who had just set up their first tent, and they would not leave the tent until somebody came and took their picture because they were so proud. So I'll show you that picture next week. Super cool stuff. But the next adventure starts this Wednesday. So if you know an elementary-age kid who wants to be jumping into kid adventure, Wednesday night is the time to jump in. The next adventure is catapult building, and it's going to be super super awesome and these fools have asked me to come and lead the catapult building because that used to be one of my hobbies way back in the day they are so going to regret that choice because we are going to have so much fun but we are in fact they're all every kid's going to build their own catapult if you're thinking to yourself i want to build a catapult too awesome because i will say little plug i feel guilty nobody else gets to do this but i do need about six to eight more people who are handy with a hammer you don't have to be awesome but just reasonably good with a hammer um if you want to help me uh lead these little kids in catapult building and you're reasonably good with a hammer and you own a couple uh that's my assistant pam devore email her uh right away and we'll get we get going wednesday night i would love a few more people but if you're a kid in elementary school and you want to build a catapult uh, uh, come for KidVenture. I started to say sign up, but you don't even have to sign up. You can sign up. The new adventure launches Wednesday night. So KidVenture is rocking and rolling, and we're super excited about that. All right, let's talk about some hope today. In particular, we're going to talk about hope for friendships. Now, we need some hope in this area, uh, in part because friendships are super important. Uh, God's Word says two are better than one. Uh, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls down and has no one to help them up. Friendship matters. Friendship makes a huge difference in the quality of our lives. Uh, I heard a guy telling about a study that they did on, on things you can do throughout your life that improve both how long you live and how healthy you are into old age. And most of the stuff on the list wouldn't surprise you. It said things like, you know, regular exercise helps and, and eating healthy helps. No surprises there. But, but the thing you could do throughout your life that was, had the biggest statistical impact on how long you lived and how healthy you were into old age was whether or not you had good friends throughout your life. That, that had a bigger influence than what you ate and a bigger influence than how much... Um, uh, how much exercise you got. So apparently, according to this study, the worst thing you can do for your health is eat bacon alone. But if you eat bacon with other people, then it sort of breaks even. So that's, the, that's what I'm going for, is eating bacon with friends. That's kind of the strategy that I took away from this research. Uh, but, but, if, but if that's true, that, that having friends makes us live longer and be healthier, then this next little piece of data is going to depress you a little bit. They did a big nationwide survey last year on friendship. Uh, this is in, done in 2018, 75% of people said they don't have good friendships. 75% of people said they don't have sufficient friendships for their life. Uh, this was true in the South, in the Midwest, in the Northeast, no difference demographically. It's true for young people and true for old people, true for middle-aged people. Um, there was a little bit of difference between men and women. Uh, women on the survey said that they didn't have quality friendships, that the, their, their friendships were superficial and not sustaining. Men said they didn't have friendships at all. Like, forget quality. They just didn't have anybody that they would consider a friend. But, 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 it was, but, but for men and women, 75% said they didn't have the friends they need in life. 
And yet we just found out it makes you live longer and live healthier. And God's word says we need these friendships. And, and, and so the first thing I want to say about this is, is if you're one of these people, and I'm sort of one of these people who, who feels like I just I wish I had more friends. You know, I wish I had better friends. If that's your story today, I just want you to know you're not alone in that, okay? The, the study showed that friendship levels were pretty good for young people, but then somewhere in the early 20s, friendship quality just plummets, and it never really recovers. So if that's you, like, it's not about you, okay? It, it's not personal. You're not the reason. It turns out there's actually some systemic stuff in our culture. There's some cultural realities that make friendship easier when you're young and harder once you're an adult. In fact, what, what I've figured out is that most of the strategies we learn for making friends when you were young are basically useless when we're adults. Uh, you know, a little, little kid, you send, send a little kid off to school and they get home from the first day of school and you just say, did you make any friends today? And if they say no, you say, oh, don't worry, you'll make some tomorrow. And while I know there are exceptions, but most of the time you're right. But three or four days, they'll eventually come back. Hey, I made a friend today. In fact, there are a whole little group of us. We sit in the back corner in Max class and here are their nicknames and we've got inside jokes and here's what we do and blah, 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 blah. And they've got a whole little friend group going. And, and just for a lot of us, that just happened. You just got shoved into, you know, the state randomly assigned you to a group of people and, and all of a sudden you became friends. But, but the problem is, you know, that, that, that works till you're 17, or maybe you'll go off to college. It'll work till you're 22, or you'll go off to grad school. It'll work till you're 20. But eventually, that method of making friends just doesn't work. I mean, you, you go off to work one morning, and somebody tell you, come home from work, did you make a friend today? And you'll just be like, no, I did not. <laughs> and if you met these people I work with, it's not likely to happen. Like, that's no, no. There'll be no nicknames in the corner during math class here. And, and so the whole context in which we learn to make friends is just sort of, just sort of taken from us uh, as we get older. Uh, you know, another thing that changes, uh, let's say between 17 and, and 27, is the consistency on which friendships depend, right? I went to, we moved to Elizabeth when I was in the fourth grade wound up in an elementary school class, and uh, <clears throat> there were six of us, kind of became friends, this little fourth grade class. All six of us were in the same fifth grade class. We, were, we had almost all the same classes in sixth grade, and in seventh grade, and in eighth grade. You know, things got crazy in the ninth grade, and we probably only had three classes together in the ninth grade. This group of six guys, we, we basically, we had a state-sponsored friendship context for, for basically nine straight years in a row without interruption. Well, of course we became friends. We had all the same stories and all the same context. You know, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, because friendship takes some energy and some investment. And, and up until your mid-20s, like, you just get given that, right? You give given all that time in which to build a friendship. And, and then, you know, then it's taken from you. You know, you know, I, 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 didn't, I didn't fully understand what was going on. Uh, I remember, you know, when I graduated from college and they handed me that diploma, you know, I was super excited about that. 
I think I would have been less excited if they'd said, here you go, here's your diploma, we'll take all of your friends that you'll never see for the rest of your life. Like, I didn't understand that was the exchange, that in, in exchange for that degree, I gave up all of the context in which I had built all of my friends for my entire life up to that point, you know, and, 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 and maybe that has happened to you. I mean, and, and again, I just, I'm just trying to say there's some systemic changes between the context in which we build friendships when we're young and, and those contexts just don't exist when we're older. The other thing about it is the consistency, you know, all the disruptions to our friendships, you know. Again, like I said, I was friends with those guys for 10 straight years. We went to the same school every day, saw them day in, day out, day in, day out. Well, that doesn't happen when you're older. People are moving all the time or getting new jobs with different schedules or these people who you're friends with, they go off and get married and so their rhythm is different than your rhythm or, or these people go off and have kids, you know. I remember Betsy and I in our friend group of couples, we, we had kids earlier than most of them did and, and we were, you know, we'd done the thing. We're like, we're going we're gonna to stay friends, you know. We're not going to let having kids prevent us from being friends except a couple years later after we have kids. You would not believe these crazy people. They want to stay out till like 9.30. Like who does that? What, you can't stay friends with people like that, you know? It'll be a, a Friday at 8 o'clock. They'll be like, we're going out to eat. Do you want to come with us? And we're like, we can't be friends anymore. You're crazy people. Who does that, right? And so you've got these constant disruptions that, that never happened when you were young. Uh, the other thing that happens, and again, this is all just me trying to make the point that if you, if you find friendship hard as an adult, it's just not your fault. It's systemic. Here's the other thing that happens is um, when you're a kid, everybody you know is working on the same big project. Stay out of the principal's office, finish the fifth grade. Like, that's it. That's, that's our big goal in life. And then it's stay out of the principal's office, finish the sixth grade, you know, and we're just trying to do it. And, and it turns out that sense of shared mission makes everybody you meet a potential friend because having a, having a goal in common is one of the ways we build friendship. Think of how you build a friendship on a sports team or build a friendship, you know, when you're, when you're part of some project together, you know, and, and everybody you meet when you're a kid is, is working on the same project, trying to stay out of the principal's office, make it through the high school or something. Um, but then you're an adult and everybody you meet has a different project that they're working on and we're all getting pulled in different directions and you meet a person that you, you know, they're pretty cool, we could be friends except they're working on this over here and you're working on this over here. When will you ever have time to be friends and you just get, you get pulled in all these different directions and you kind of lose what makes friendship, friendship. So, so this is the reality we got. We need friends, we'll live longer, we don't have friends, and every skill that we learned as a kid for how to get friends and keep friends, none of those skills work, like, by the time you're in your late 20s. Like, they're all, and, and, and all the statistics show the same thing. Like I say, friendship levels stay good for kids, and then somewhere in the 20s, they just plummet, uh, and we're left with, with either no friendships or empty friendships. One of the signs that, you know, that your friendships are in danger is if, if think of the people you hang out with, if, if when you socialize and hang out with your friends, your friendships are dominated by nostalgia, by memory, 
um, that's a sign of a, of a weakness in your friendship. Because uh, friendships to grow and strengthen need to, be de- need to be dominated by purpose, by mission, by the future, rather than by the past. So where's the hope in this series called Hope for Everyone, in this sermon called Hope for Friendship? Well, I, I want to be just real pragmatic. I think the hope in this case is in, in just this simple truth. I really believe that God's Word gives us the strategies we need to build real friendships even as adults. Like none of the strategies we learned as kids are going to work for us, but I think God's Word is going to give us some strategies. Uh, The three strategies are intention, investment, and shared mission. Let me talk about what I mean by each one of those. Intention. What I mean by this, what I mean is you got friends for free when you were a kid. You got dumped in. I, 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 my, my, my best friend in college was my, uh, my roommate. He was assigned to me my freshman year. I'd never met him. He'd never met me. We were put in a room together by a, 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 an admissions counselor who had never met either one of us. I mean, it was basically drawing straws or something or names out of a hat. Um, nobody's going to make friends like that as an adult. It takes intention. Proverbs 13.30, walk with the wise and become wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. And there are lots of Proverbs like this to just say, if you want the kind of friends that will sustain you, you're going to have to make friends on purpose and make friends for a purpose. This can be a huge brain switch for us. I think most of us, the big obstacle here is just our brains don't think this way. We think we're supposed to stumble into friendships the same way I did in the fourth grade when I went to a new school, you know, that we're just supposed to trip over friends. Like maybe you're trying this at the grocery store, right? And you're going up to people like, we shop at the same grocery store. Will you be my friend? And like maybe that's working for you, but I'm trying that a bunch. That doesn't work for me at all, right? Like I don't know if that's working for you. But it turns out that that kind of stumbling into friendships It just isn't a strategy that God's Word teaches us, and it just isn't a strategy that works um, once you're out of school and once you're an adult. So my first real challenge for you, if you you are in the 75% of Americans who don't have enough friends or don't have good friends, my first real challenge is, are you willing to make a decision to strategically seek out friendships? Um... Or do you just want to watch more Netflix? Because I'm just telling you, that's the first thing you got to learn. It will require intention. You will, have to dis- you will not stumble upon the friends God wants for your life. You'll have to go track them down. Number two, next strategy. It will also require investment. Again, when we were kids, we got this for free. You, every single day, you see the same people and you've got like six hours a day with them so you don't have to think about where am I going to find the time to build and strengthen this friendship you're given the time to do it it's forced on you that that doesn't happen you know on the other side of your early 20s Uh, listen to this verse I love this verse it's amazing Uh, this is one of these lofty big verses and at the very end it says by the way work really hard to make good friends 
Listen to what it says. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This verse has always been amazing to me. In the same breath as which we were reminded to don't stop praying and don't stop trusting and don't stop believing. In the same breath we're told don't stop meeting with other people. Commit to it. Dedicate your life to it. And I'll just tell you, I don't know any better advice for building friendship. We live such highly disrupted lives. It will never happen to you that you just stumble across a multi-year friendship unless you make a decision to sustain it. And the people you know that have multi-year friendships, they could tell you what decision they made. Oh, we meet and we go hiking three times a year. Oh, I'm in this Sunday school class and I'm there every single week and they're there every single week and we've been going to Sunday school together for 35 years. Or, oh, we go to breakfast at Shoney's every Thursday and I'm there 45 weeks out of the year. If I'm in town, I'm at Shoney's on Thursday morning and they're at Shoney's on Thursday morning and, and it took five years but we're finally friends. But we, we didn't give up because God's word says don't stop meeting together and we knew that the disruptions of life had sort of robbed us of every other friendship we had so we weren't going to let this one get disrupted and, and I'm just telling you that is the, that's the second strategy if you want to be one of the 25% of all Americans who have meaningful friendships uh, you've got to pick some people I just know this is true for Betsy and I I just look back through our lives we've been we've been together about 25 years now and um, all of our best friends it's been because there was some strategic commitment that we made to stay in each other's lives. Um, and it doesn't have to be some big, grand, complicated commitment. It can be, you know, breakfast every third Tuesday. It can be, you know, eating supper together every Monday night. Uh, we, had, we had some couples. We invited over to our house for supper on a Tuesday night. And then we invited them the next Tuesday and the next Tuesday and the next Tuesday. And we just kept doing that for seven years. And around year six, I remembered their names. And by year seven, we were friends. No, I'm just teasing. It didn't take that long. But we became really, really good friends. And, and we raised each other's children together. And, and it, we, just, we were transformed by these friendships and, and, and brought closer to the presence of God and sustained by these friendships. And there was, there was, there was nothing particular magical we did except for the commitment we made to not stop meeting together. Uh, again, Guys, I'll just say, if you're one of the 75% of guys who says, I don't have friends, or I don't have enough friends, we got a Wednesday night group, a Wednesday night men's group, you should just join it. Just say, I'm going to be there every single week for the next 10 weeks. Uh, it, it's awesome. 
And then maybe you'll just want to keep doing that and keep doing that. Or, or you know, we've got that connecting directory. We've got connection cards in the pew. We had connecting Sunday about a month ago. We got, they're in the pew again today. I'll just, some of you, what you need to do, like if, if, you want, if you want friendships to sustain you in life, you need to grab one of those connecting cards or grab the card at your bottom of your bulletin, fill out the information, and just write, I need a group that I can keep going to. Or, or after service, just wander down the, just wander down the halls, just down there, and just in a super loud voice, just scream out, I'm very lonely! And, and one of the Sunday school classes will open the door, and they'll, they'll usher you in. And then you go back, like every week for the next 10 years, and you won't be lonely, because you'll have friends. I just, it's, it's, just, it's this straightforward um, but I but I want to but again I just want to teach you is that if you're still operating under the mindset that worked for us as children and it did work when we were kids that somebody else will organize my world you know my parents will send me to Little League every year year after year playing with those same kids and I'll naturally become friends that worked when you were a kid and it simply doesn't work now. And what God's word really commands of God's people is that we find a community to never stop showing up. Just keep showing up. Okay? And that's what God's word says. A last strategy God's word gives us that, that, that reteaches us how to find the kind of friendships we need is we need to recover shared mission. A shared mission. Again, we talked about how we got this for free when we were kids, right? Everybody had the same mission, stay out of the principal's office, graduate from high school. Like that mission could sustain you for a 10-year friendship. But that's not true anymore. Uh, and you know your friendships have lost a sense of shared mission when they are dominated by nostalgia and socializing. Like if all you know how to do with your friends is talk about the old days, or party like there's no tomorrow, like if that's all you know how to do with your friends, then you've lost a sense of shared mission. Uh, because when you have a friendship with a sense of shared mission, sometimes you have some nostalgia and sometimes you're socializing, but sometimes you're saying things like, hey, how's it going? Do you need any help? Can I help you accomplish what's next for you in our shared mission? Can I pray for you? Can I serve you? Can I support you? And, and for a friendship to have those kinds of elements, there has to be a sense of shared mission. And what the Bible teaches is a, is a powerful two-directional truth. The Bible teaches that communities of a shared mission build friendship. And the Bible teaches that when we're in a community of friendship, it helps us accomplish our shared mission. So shared mission fosters unity, and unity leads to the success of our shared mission. Uh, if you've ever been on a sports team, you know how being on a, a good sports team, you naturally, over time, become friends with each other. Shared mission leads to unity. But you also know that the inverse is true, that if you are friends with the people you're on the sports team with, you're going to perform better. And, and if you're not friends, if there's disunity in your team, it's going to affect your performance. And so these two truths work together. And it's not just true in sports or a work project or in school. It's true in our spiritual lives and our personal lives. And God's word is just so clear about this that our best friendships are going to be ones that are rooted in our shared sense of Christian mission. Here's the way Jesus puts it. You are my friends 
if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, uh, because a servant doesn't know his master's business. A servant doesn't have a shared mission with the master. A servant just does what they're told. Instead, I've called you my friends. For everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you. Do you hear the, the intention, Jesus says? I went out and found some friends. I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Jesus says, you are my friends, and our friendship is rooted in our sense of shared mission. And again, I don't know how many times I keep saying this, we get this for free when we're kids. But as we get older, we've got we've to make a decision to build friendships rooted in shared mission. And I just want to offer this warning. I know I've, kind of, I've said it a couple times, but I just want to be real clear. Um, some of you have friendships where all, maybe they're left over from high school or left over from college or something, where all that there is to them is a little bit of nostalgia and you have fun hanging out together. And, 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 and a few friendships like that is okay, all right? I have some friendships like that. A few friendships like that are okay. But those kinds of friendships become hollower over time. You know, and pretty soon you just follow each other on Facebook and you remind each other of birthdays, but they don't really sustain you in the way a godly friendship does. Uh, for a godly friendship, you're going to need a friendship that's rooted in a shared mission. For me, I just full disclosure, what this means is that all of my closest friendships have been within the church because that's, I got no mission bigger than the cause of Jesus Christ. And, and so all of my closest friendships have been within the church. Uh, for you, it might mean if you're like, okay, I want to find a friendship and, and I already tried the group thing and, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm sticking with it. I'm not going to give up, but it's not working the way I'd hoped. Well, maybe you need to join a serving team. For a lot of people, the sense of shared mission and camaraderie that comes from serving together like, is the catalyst they need to cultivate a friendship. And maybe that's what you need to do. Uh, full disclosure, I want to be clear on this. Uh, I am absolutely on this one. I, I probably can't say this on every sermon I preach. But on this one, I am practicing what I preach here. Okay, I also struggle with having enough friendships. I am part of the 75% that needs better, deeper friendships to sustain me in God's purpose. And so I actually just got back. I drove back, uh, got in super late Friday night, driving back. I do a thing where twice a year I get together with 10 other pastors that are leading churches about our size. They've been in ministry about the same amount of time as I have been. And I didn't know any of them before I went. I mean, totally this was intention. These were complete strangers to me, but I knew I needed friends and it wasn't going to happen by just stumbling into school like it did when I was. So I went and found some people and we commit to this. We stay connected via text message and we do Zoom calls together and we meet twice a year. Uh, so I'm absolutely doing this. This is, like I say, I probably can't say I practice what I preach every time I preach, but on this one I'm on it uh, because I also want friendships to sustain me in ministry, friendships that get more and more real every day that aren't just dominated by nostalgia or aren't withered by the passage of time. See, here's why I believe there's hope for everyone and hope for friendships. 
Um, after the first sermon of this series, I got in an email conversation with a friend of mine who attends church here. And um, we got talking about what do we mean by the word hope? And um, I said to them that for me, hope is not this idle sense that everything just works out. Hope is not whistling in the dark, saying to yourself, I'm sure it'll be fine. I'll find friends eventually. Maybe next year I'll find a friend. That, that's not hope. Maybe that's optimism or something, but, I, but it's not hope. Christian hope is the confidence that our God makes promises and that our God keeps those promises. That's that's really that's all of Christian hope, but the confidence that our God makes promises and our God's our God keeps those promises. And, and that's why I have hope for friendship for me. And I have hope for friendship for you. Because our God has promised that God is building a family. Our God has promised that we will be never, never left alone. Our God has promised to surround us with people who sustain us. And God's word has, has given us the strategies to pursue that. And so I do believe, even if you're part of the 75% like me who needs more friends, I believe there's hope for friendship. I believe if you make a decision to go find some, if you invest in communities of faith and, and don't give up on them, and if you find places to serve, find people that have a shared mission to accomplish the purposes of God, I, I think God will keep God's promise to surround you with the people you need. And so we're going to close in prayer. And as for me, I pray in hope because I believe my God makes promises and I believe my God keeps them. Let's pray. Gracious God, we, we want you. We want, we want a stronger strength and friendship with Christ. But we also want friendships with one another. God, I, just, I pray for somebody here who, who is about ready to give up on friendships and, and needs to kind of make a commitment to go seek friendship again. Maybe it's to join a group or to start serving somewhere and just trusting that it's when we invest with intention that you do provide for us the friends we need. I believe you keep that promise. I just, I pray for somebody who needs that. I pray with gratitude for some people here. We have some people here who've got friends, God. I pray that they'd be ready to open the arms of those friendships to include more people, to welcome the lonely that are even here in our midst who need to be brought in just give them the strength to see that and do that. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ who has welcomed us into your family. We do this with great praise, overwhelmed by his grace. Amen.